This morning we're going back to our four-week series on what does it mean to be the people of God? In other words, what does it really mean to be the church? Uh, How do we see ourselves and what does the Bible say about us? And we've chosen to look at this topic through four different analogies that the scriptures use for the Bible or for the church or for God's people, even even the um, people of Israel before the church, uh, where these analogies were used for them sometimes as well. So what have we already looked at? Does anybody remember? We've looked at two different analogies. What were they? Temple. You remember that? And I heard it over here, bride. So we looked at temple and bride and saw how God is making us to be the place, the presence in which he dwells here on this earth, that no, no longer in a building, but in the hearts of those who believe. And in the same way that God is inviting us into an intimate relationship in his new covenant, that we're like his bride, that we are to have a long-lasting, eternal covenant relationship, intimate relationship with God personal relationship with God for all of eternity. And so this week we're coming and we're looking at a, probably one of the most popular uses of an analogy for the church, and that is body. And what does it mean to be the body? So let us turn to Romans now and see what Paul says, because he's the one who uses this analogy a lot. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are in one body in Christ." And individually, we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness, the word of the Lord. What it means to be the people of God is an incredibly complex truth. It's something that can't really be conveyed in just kind of one sentiment or one idea. And that's why we see, I think, so many different analogies and uses of what we are to be as the people of God in Scripture as we do. And so that's what our series that we're trying to do, this short little series during the summer here, is, is trying to accomplish. We're trying to look and see... What are all of these different analogies telling us about who we are to be as God's people so that we can better serve and better follow after God as his people? This morning we are looking specifically at the analogy of the body, the body of Christ. This is something that's used by Paul in many of his letters, and, but it's something that Jesus taught about. It's something that Jesus very much hinted at and kind of got to in many of his teachings in the Gospels. And Paul kind of extrapolates this illustration from Jesus's teaching. In fact, you can see Jesus's teaching in our Romans passage this morning all over the place, right? Paul says, don't esteem yourself or consider yourself more highly than you ought to. Right? Don't think of yourself as something is more important than you, than you should. Where in Jesus' teaching does he say something similar to that? 
in a parable, right? Do you guys remember the parable of the, the people coming to a wedding feast and Jesus tells them, don't go and sit at the front of the table where the honored guests are because if you aren't one of the honored guests, guess what's going to happen? They're going to come and they're going to boot you from that seat and they're going to send you down lower in the table and then you're going to be embarrassed in front of everybody. So instead, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but sit further back. And that way, if you're too far back and the guests are all sit in the wrong place, then you might be moved up to a higher position. And so Jesus is talking about humility, talking about not seeing yourself as more uh, important or more special than you really should. And so Paul extrapolates this and he starts to talk about the body. And as we look at our scripture today in Romans, and if you were to go and look at the other scriptures where Paul talks about us being one body of many parts, I think you'll see that there's consistent truths that we can learn from this analogy as the church and what we're supposed to be. The first thing I think is that one part impacts the whole. One part impacts the whole. I used to do this illustration, this activity, forgive the resolution on this picture. It was the best picture I could find. Actually, it was the only picture I could find of this particular activity. But I used to do this activity with youth until they started rebelling against me and became too cool to like do this activity. I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden it stopped working. But I would take a five-gallon bucket of water, and I would have all the youth lie down on a tarp in a circle with their feet facing in towards each other. And then I would put that five-gallon bucket of water that was filled all the way to the brim, like literally, right? That I would even keep water in another bucket just so I could top it off to the exact top. And then the kids would all sit around the bucket, and they would put their feet on the bucket, and I would kind of like lift to help them start it. But then they would all lift with their feet together to hold the bucket in the air. And what they would then do is each person one by one would, be, would need to take off one shoe all the way around the whole circle. And then a second time, the second shoe all the way around the circle. And then the third time, a sock all the way around the circle. And then the last sock so that at the very end, they were all bare feet. Now, the point of this illustration was to show them how what they do in their own life affects other people. Because I would ask them afterwards, if somebody wasn't holding their weight of the bucket, what happened? Somebody else would need to make up for it or their, their life would splash over into your life, right? Or you would get soaking wet with their mess. Or if somebody pushed too hard into it and pushed it over the other side and wasn't cooperating the right way, right? They would splash over into the other person. So in lots of different ways, our lives pour over into each other's lives, not just as the church, but everybody in the world. How many of you have ever been in a car accident in your entire life? Now, at that moment, you and a stranger, your lives are woven together as you try and figure out how to solve this problem, right? You end up talking with a stranger and their insurance company and negotiating back and forth in all kinds of ways that you wouldn't have ever been done with that person unless you guys were in a car accident. How many of you that were in that car accident it was the other person's fault? And so their mistake, their life poured over into yours in a negative way and impacted you in a negative way. In the same way, in the church, 
when we don't do the things that we're supposed to do or we do wrong things towards each other, then we impact the people around us. Or when we don't carry our weight or do the things that God has called us to do in the, sh- in the church, to use our strengths the ways that he's called us to, then we impact the people around us in either negative or we can even do it in positive ways, right? How many of you have ever been, and I, I think I know the answer to this question. Let's just show your hands though. How many of you have ever been like kneeling down for something or going to like do something and your knee just give up on you? Is that a good feeling? No, it's a terrible feeling, right? I have had so many injuries in my knees and in my ankles over the years. I have terrible knees, terrible ankles. I can't really play any kind of real hard cutting kind of like sports because I'll just roll an ankle or my knee will just give out. I've dislocated this, this knee in a motorcycle accident. Uh, I've injured this knee recently, bowling. And so there's all kinds of injuries I have in my legs. And because of that, other muscle groups in my body are impacted, right? Um, part of the reason why my right knee is bad is because my left knee was bad for so long, and it carried more of the weight. I walked a little differently, right, as I was limping with my left leg, and so my right leg had to carry it differently, and it got injured because of that injury on the other side. I think we've all experienced this before, and it's the same way in the church. What you do impacts more than you. It impacts the people around you. And so if you come into church, into a committee meeting or something else, and this is just, just as much for me as anybody else, and you're in a bad mood and you just want to take it out on people, how do you think everybody else in that committee is going to feel when they leave that meeting? Like garbage, right? If you're mad and you're angry about just life in general and something in worship has changed and you just got to let your anger out on somebody, who do you usually let it out on? Me, Right? How do you think I feel after that? Pretty crummy, right? And we tend to focus and think about the negative things that we experience more than the positive. So even though you as a body are so positive and such a great community to be a part of, sometimes, and I know you guys feel this too, some of the negative things can grind on us and make us just worn down and feel tired and feel exhausted because because of the way we're impacting each other's lives with our behavior and with the way that we treat one another. Or with us not carrying our weight, not doing something we're supposed to do. And so we, as a body, are called to work together in unison to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And this brings us to our second point, that we need each member. We need each member. I'm going to go back to the, the illustration that Jack Mitchell used. These, these pillars that ring our sanctuary. They're specially designed architectural patent that, that Alden Dow had where these, pill, these concrete blocks all lock into each other. There's no steel beam underneath them. They just hold the weight as they lock into each other. And Jack Mitchell used those as an illustration to say that these are an analogy for you. That our church only stands and is strong when each one of you acts and does what you're supposed to do and holds up the strength and unity of our church. If one of these blocks was to be taken down, what would happen in this building? It would fall apart. It would crumple. Because one weak spot would make all the rest begin to go off kilter and would fall apart. And so if you are missing... If you are not pulling your weight, if you're not doing what God is calling you to do in this body, you're going to cripple the rest. 
You're needed in order for us to accomplish the mission that God has called us to. It is impossible for First Presbyterian Church of Dearborn to be First Presbyterian Church of Dearborn in the way God designed it to be unless you are engaged and involved using your strengths, your gifts, your calling to do what God called you to do in this body. Unless you act the way you're supposed to as the hand or as the foot or as the knee or the shin or whatever body part you're called to be, unless you do what God calls you to do, then we are going to be hampered in our mission in Christ. We're not going to be able to accomplish it because we need you. Think about a body that is injured and how much work the rest of the body needs to do. How many of you have ever been on crutches before? Most of us, right? And how much does it hurt getting used to moving that new way as you have the crutches shoved underneath your, your uh, armpits and you're carrying your weight in a way that your body's not designed to do? It takes some getting used to and it, and it hampers the rest of the body, right? In the same way, when you aren't fulfilling what God has called you to do here in this body, then we are weakened. We are handicapped. We are hampered in our mission in God. So you are uniquely gifted. You are called, and we need you to use those gifts in the way that God has called you to in our body. And that brings us to our last point. You, we are all uniquely gifted. We are all uniquely gifted. That means that you have something that this church doesn't have without you. In other words, if you think, ah, somebody else will volunteer for the nursery, somebody else will do that— you know what everybody else is thinking? Somebody else will do it. And then you know what happens? Nobody does it. <laughs> so you are called to do something in this church. And if you don't act on it, if you don't do it, then we're not going to have the person that is the right person doing that particular role. So when you feel that calling, when God is urging you to fill in that role, follow it. Be obedient to it. Go after God's calling in your life because you're uniquely gifted. Now, some people think, but my role is not very important. I don't have any major gifts. I can't get up and I can't speak in front like Chris, or I can't lead a committee, or I don't have the time, or I don't have this, or I don't have... When you make all these excuses and you talk about what you don't have, you miss out on the important role that you play in this church, in this body. If you miss that, then you're going to make it hard for us to be a team. I remember in high school, I didn't play football because I was only about 140 pounds and I was as tall as I am right now. So I never was, I was too afraid to get out on the field and actually face someone hitting me. I thought I'd probably get injury. Plus I'm not athletic and I just, I'm prone to injuries anyway. So I didn't play football, but a lot of the football players were my friends. And so what I did, because I was in video production, kind of the arena in the school, is I went to every single game and I recorded all the games from multiple angles. And then and when players wanted like a, a cut together highlight reel of all their special moments or whatever, then I would kind of edit it together for them to send off to a college or whatever else. And I remember one time noticing a weakness on our team, a weakness on our team. And that weakness was the strongest player on our team. 
the best player, the one who went on to the most success in any kind of football after high school, although he ended up getting kicked off the team that he was on because he was a troublemaker, he was the biggest weakness on our team. He was the best wide receiver you could ever have. He was incredibly talented. He can catch any ball that was thrown at him. He was lightning fast. And yet, this is what I noticed. When he wasn't in the play, he didn't even run. Now, football players, you know what this means. When he lined up on that line of scrimmage and then the play started, here's what he would do. Then the defense knew immediately he wasn't getting the ball, right? And they went to cover the other wide receiver or the tight end or anybody else. They read that defensively and they knew what the call was beforehand because he wasn't playing his part because he wasn't special in that moment, right? But he missed something because he was special. Unless he played the play like he was going to get the ball, then he gives the defense a cue and they know what the play is not going to be because he's not participating. In the same way, you as a church, if you think that your role is insignificant or it's not important or you're not getting the praise or the glory that you're supposed to get or whatever it is, and you just decide, eh, I'm just going to walk this one off, you weaken our mission as a church. So you are called uniquely and you're gifted uniquely and you need to understand that no matter how prestigious that gift is or is not, it's still important to the whole picture. Some of the best sports teams on earth are not the best because they have the best players. They are the best because they have the best team that work well together and everyone knows their role and accomplishes it. One of the sports where this is absolutely seen is rowing. Have you ever watched rowing teams row? Yeah, a few of you, okay. So my life is boring. I watch rowing occasionally. Actually, I only watch rowing when most people watch rowing, right? When the Summer Olympics comes every four years. But it's incredible to watch these guys work as a team. And every single team member has an important role, including the guy who's not even touching an oar. Because there's usually one captain who is calling what their stroke is going to be and keeping the pace and keeping everybody on the same page, right? And so there's a different role for each person. Each person's rowing from a different side. They're rowing together as a team. They're all important. And if they aren't all going the same direction, then what happens? Have you ever seen a rowing team go way off from their course? I haven't because they're all really uh, well done. They all do this all the time, except for my dad and I. My dad and I started doing a triathlon together about four years ago that's in September. You guys know that because I'm gone every year in that Sunday morning. And the first year we did it, he was living in California. And we decided that at the time they didn't have kayaking as an option. We were going to canoe together with a, with a canoe. And we had never canoed together ever in, I think, our entire lives. And we had this plan, we thought it through, we thought it was really smart that I would sit in the back because I weighed a lot more than him. And so if I sat in the front, I would drag the front end down. And so I was sitting the far back. And then all of a sudden we get into the race and we're in the canoes and I'm rowing and my, my strokes on with the oar were about like worth 10 or 12 of his. And what it was, was I was so heavy and so far back, I weighed about 85 pounds more than him. He was up out of the water about six inches on the front. 
So every time I stroked, it would just go and it We got second to last. We even lost to a mother and her 11-year-old daughter because we weren't rowing in the same direction together, right? We weren't utilizing ourselves in the best way possible, and we were going all over the place. I even dropped my oar at one point because my dad was switched over quicker than I thought, and I, I switched over with him, and, and our boat started to tip, and I threw the oar in the air, and we had to go back and get it. I mean, it was a mess. It was a complete mess. How many of you have ever seen a church that sounds exactly like what I just described? I've seen a few in my day. I'm not saying I've worked for any of of those. My churches have all been pretty good. And our church, I don't think, is like that. But I've seen organizations that are that messy and how they're all just split and going all kinds of different directions and they're not working together. You are uniquely gifted and you are called to be as a part of our body. But we are all called to use our gifts towards one goal, towards one direction. And that is to serve our Lord Jesus Christ and be the best witnesses we can in this world. And if we miss that, if we're all going in different directions, seeking after different things, thinking that our thing is what God wants us to do, then we're going to look a lot like my dad and I as we canoe down the river in Bay City. We are called to be the body of Christ. You are called to be a part of this body. That means we need you. We need you at the best of what you are designed and built to be by God to serve him in this space. You want to know one thing about that command? I don't hear anything about age or gender or any other disqualifier in all of that. So if you're sitting here thinking, ah, good thing I'm past that. I'm, I'm way in my uh, in later ages and I'm done with having to do all that. Wrong. You know when you get to check out of being a part of this body? When you die. Before that, we need you in some role. And God has uniquely gifted you and calling you to do something in our church. Same thing in the younger end. If you're thinking there's no younger people left in here anymore. But if you were thinking, I'm too young, I can't do anything, no, we need you. We need everyone that God has placed in our body to be going the same direction, using their gifts to serve him. If we're going to have any hope of existing into the future as God's people in this place. So let us come. Let us be the body of Christ. Let us share together now in the affirmation of faith, which is the Apostles' Creed. Let us stand and say it together. Friends, go and be the body of Christ. Now, this is a more difficult task than than you would think it is because it means that you need to get to know yourself first. That you need to know what God has gifted you at, what has strengthened you in so that you can know how he might be calling you. Number two, you also need to follow and seek after God with 100% of your effort. Because sometimes God might have given you a strength or a gift, but he doesn't want you to use that particular one right now. And just listening and being obedient to his call is significant in being able to be a part of the body of Christ. So you need to go learn about yourself and you need to learn what God's call is on your life so that you can best use your gifts for that calling. Now Mike in the past has been really helpful in our congregation by offering tools and tests and things like that to help you kind of narrow down what are your spiritual gifts. And so I would say if you have an interest in something like that, you're looking for what ways you can serve, Come and talk to Pastor Mike or come talk to me. 
um, I don't have the same tools. I'll just sit down with you and talk with you and, until I figure something I can rope you into. Um, <laughs> But Mike, Mike is really good at helping you discover what your gifts are. That's kind of his forte. So use one of us. Come and get to know us and get together with us and we'll help you figure out a place where you can serve in our church.